This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. The Home Depot has holiday savings of up to 40% on select appliances, like a Whirlpool four-door French door refrigerator for just $15.98. It's perfect for a busy kitchen full of helping hands. That's where its fingerprint-resistant stainless steel finish really shines. Order online and get free delivery. Holiday appliance shopping improved. Up to 40% off select appliances. Now at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Continental U.S. only. While supplies last. Valid through December 2nd. Free delivery on orders $396 or more. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Raptors React Podcast. I'm here with Lewis Zatzman after a 123-114 win over the Thunder. Lewis, how are you doing? I'm doing so well, man. It's great to see you. Welcome to Toronto. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, it was great to take in a game with you and obviously one that they won and free basketball. Any uh, quick words about the game overall? Yeah, I just had to teach him what a mandolin was. This dude has no culture. Yeah, I'm an uncultured swine, a Philistine. <laughs> And uh, I, I'm basking in my white privilege at every, every moment of, that I can. Um, so let's start with the first quarter. Um, we saw a lot of game planning from the Thunder as far as how they were going to play Siakam. We saw George start on him. Did you see anything that you liked or didn't like from that matchup? Yeah, um, I think George on Siakam was, I mean, we were talking about it, a really good defensive call because Kawhi's going to kind of do his offense no matter what. Whereas if you can disrupt Siakam, take him out of those drives, take him out of the offense, maybe you can have a chance of stopping Toronto. It didn't work that way, obviously. Dude had a game. But, uh, I mean, I think that was probably great coaching. Yeah, I agree. Um, Siakam is a very integral part of the Raptors' offense. You take him out, you take out one whole piece, and we've seen games before where if Siakam doesn't thrive and he doesn't properly transition to a tertiary role, and he forces up shots, that's generally a good way to actually beat the Raptors because he is such a focal point to their success. Um, Fred Van Vliet started. Kyle Lowry was still out because of his ankle injury. Um, from Mitchell Robinson, did you see anything you liked from Fred this game? Oh, Fred, did I see anything? Did I see anything I didn't like? this? Since he's come back, it seems like he's been a little bit slower, a little bit more uh, intentional with his movements. His passes have been on point. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but Fred was, to me, probably the second best player in the game behind Siakam. He was fantastic. Yeah. Any words on Danny Green and, like, the job he did on Paul George early on? Yeah, so, okay, so first I was kind of upset. I mean, I kind of wanted Kawhi, Paul George, to take each other, and then neither took the other person, which is dumb, but, you know, coaches got a coach or whatever. But, uh... Danny Green, usually when he matches up against the best player, it's usually he goes small. He's at his best guarding point guards. 
uh, slithering around screens, you know, contesting. But I thought he was fantastic tonight against a guy who's bigger than him, stronger than him, pushing George out, making him uncomfortable. And George didn't really go off until the fourth quarter. Like, I think he had 10 entering the fourth quarter. Like, Danny Green had one of the best defensive jobs and understated, like, I wasn't really noticing it for 90% of the game. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I agree completely. And it opens up Kawhi going forward that he gets a rest. He doesn't have to fight with George all night. And Danny Green, especially in a game, I talked about this on the last podcast, where if Siakam's having a good game and doing a good chunk of it in transition, if Danny Green is going to be out on the run and defending like his ass off, especially contesting with George all night, but also filling the lane in transition, that's an unbelievable amount of work, especially to just pile on a guy and say, hey, like, this is your job tonight. This is what you're going to do. You're going to contest with Paul George, one of the best players in the league. You're going to run out on the break. And you're going to be there at all ends of the floor. And you're going to bounce off screens. You're going to slither around them. You're going you're gonna to not get put in jail by George. You're going to do your best. And, yeah, he did a great job. I was really happy with what he did. Um, Siakam, did you see anything that he did to um, when George was off the floor? Siakam, there was obviously a bit of pressure he put on himself to create without George. Is there anything you saw that you liked in that way? Yeah, um, his creation was... I mean, he had, he had a couple turnovers tonight. He had five, I think, which is more than you kind of want from your secondary tertiary scorer. But, um, I mean, he was a little more aggressive than we're used to, like, especially handling... Uh, especially, I mean, in the fourth, they went to a 4-5 pick and roll with the game tied. Like, they trusted Siakam to create on offense with or without George on him, which was... I, I don't think it really mattered who was defending him. You were talking a lot of... Actually, so for all listeners, this dude knows the very details of ball. Like, few people on our... Perhaps nobody now. And um, uh, what do you want to say about Siakam's style of finishing, where he releases from? Like, it was incredible tonight. Yeah, Siakam, he has a lot of different counters for how he's being defended in air. And his dexterity when he's handling the ball and when he's stepping towards the rim and, most importantly, finishing at the rim... He has a couple different shoulder slots and a lot of different elbow slots finishing at the rim, and that's key to seeing him decelerate his arm when he's speeding towards the rim, seeing him do floaters where he's finishing, you know, he can finish above his forehead, he can finish outstretched, kind of like a Kareem, or sorry, a skyhook, and he'll do things like that, and he'll make it look regular. He'll also, he had the one um, basket he scored in the fourth quarter where he looked like he supermaned over another defender, but he still, he keeps his arms above the rim and goes off the glass. And his dexterity is unmatched. I've never seen somebody who finishes like him. Maybe Lamar Odom, but he wasn't as um, prolific at it. And yeah, just seeing Siakam, like Lewis said, he's he has a crazy amount of counters he has a crazy amount of dexterity, and that's something he's very, very proficient in around the rim. That's a great point. And uh, any like any thoughts on Kawhi? Because he did step into like a secondary, tertiary role, even to Siakam's um, leading role. Because Siakam, he did play with the bench. He did take on a lot of shots, and he did, I guess, outfox George at certain parts of the game. So Kawhi was free to try and go nuts against, um, I guess, Terrence Ferguson. What did you think about that matchup? Um, just real quick, continuing about Siakam quite quickly first, is, um, yeah, he, uh, eh, it's gone now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Kawhi, 
seemed willing to sort of settle back. Like he had uh, the tie for the team lead with a bunch of guys, six assists. Like he took fewer shots than Siakam. In the fourth, he stepped it up. Over time, he stepped it up. He took a couple mid-rangers. But, I mean, he is part of the offense. Uh, you used the word com- compartmentalized tonight about sort of his yeah. offense being separate. But tonight, and recently, it just hasn't been. He's willing to let other guys create. He's willing to let other guys stretch their muscles. Uh, he shot, you know, a poor percentage from the floor, but it was not a bad game. Like, offensively, he was totally within the flow of things, taking good shots, creating space. He did a fantastic job, I thought. Yeah, I agree. So when you see Siakam step into a role like that, and you see Siakam become the predominant offensive leader for a game, does that indicate anything to you going forward, what that looks like in the playoffs? Is there a game in the playoffs that's going to be reserved for Siakam where he says, I'm the guy putting up 26 shots in this game. I'm going to attack my mismatch. And in you know an environment where star players... What they do is what's talked about. Is Siakam, I mean, you wrote the big profile at the start of the year where you predicted Siakam's success. I mean, that, that should be your calling card going forward. Do you expect Siakam to take any type of step going forward? And will that be in the playoffs? And do you think that this game was an indicator of that? Yo, my editor just told me to write a Siakam piece. So. But <laughs> um, uh, no, I mean, look, the, what the Raptors do so well is they work within the flow of the offense. Like, that's kind of cliched, but it's like jazz, you know? If somebody's flowing, you let them take another 12 bars. And that's sort of what happened tonight. Like, I in the start of the game, it's not like Siakam was the main offense. Kawhi took... He had a usage rate over 30%, and that's a total estimate. But he was taking all the shots in the first quarter, and then Siakam scored all the points. So they went to Siakam. They went to Siakam over and over. And in the playoffs, I mean, sure, he'll probably have a game. He'll have more than one. But it won't be because they'll decide they like the matchup. It won't be premeditated. It'll be because the same thing that happened tonight. They'll have a matchup they liked. You know, some sucker like Paul George will be on him, and they'll say, this is someone we can take advantage of. This guy can't guard him. You know, if Paul George can't, then... Who can? Yeah. So um, you noticed you were obviously paying a lot of attention to the lineups that were being used by Nick Nurse in this one. You were really interested to how Van Vliet was going to be used and everybody, you most of all, but I'm sure everybody was kind of scared of that horribly vaunted Lynn Powell lineup. What, what did you see from that tonight? How did they supplement it? How did they get around it? Or how did that lineup by itself perform? Yeah, so the Lynn Norm lineup has had some trouble in the past. It's, uh, I mean, lost them some quarters um, because they both are attack first guys, neither of whom are great attacking first, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also both of whose jump shots come and go. But uh, but tonight they were excellent. They won their time in the second quarter by a significant margin. They were bolstered by Siakam, who who attacked most of the time. And from the perimeter, too. It wasn't like they were feeding him stationary in the post. They let this guy go to work. They let the defense rotate. It was actually much more um, uh, pre-planned offense than just isolating with whoever is your best offensive player. Uh, in the fourth, it wasn't quite so good, but remember Russ had that like weird and one triple where he kind of went <laughs> under Siakam and jumped up into the arms. Um, 
I mean, it was an 11-6 round, I think we counted, but, like, I think the Lynn Norm lineup probably played about even tonight, which is, I mean, what more can you ask? That's perfect. If you're planning the game beforehand, you say, look, you've no Lowry, Lynn and Norm have to play six minutes together tonight. If you say that's going to be even, you assume you're winning that game, right? Like, that is an absolute positive for the team. So, we had a lot to say about Danny Green and how great he was. Uh, just looking at the stats, kind of crazy. He had the worst plus minus at minus <laughs> five. Of the starters. Just to explain that away, if anyone's going to end up wondering, I have the answer. Um, <gasps> of Sia- anyone. Of anyone, yeah. He had the worst, yeah. So Siakam supplemented Lynn and Powell. Siakam supplemented any time George wasn't on the floor. The third quarter was Siakam's, and when George came in in the fourth, he lit the whole place on fire, and Danny Green just happened to be there for it. Yeah. And so we saw Paul George hitting double clutch threes, him pouring it in. So sometimes, you know, plus minus isn't the best indicator, yeah. although it is good, especially Raptors fans have learned to appreciate what net rating means because <laughs> we, ha- we have a couple of the Cthulhu's or gods of that um, specific stat, but sometimes it just swings one way or the other. The second half, what, what was the defining narrative of the second half to you? Like, what did the Raptors do to pull away, or what did they do to lose their lead that they had built up? I mean, look, the Thunder are a great team. Like, these guys are unbelievable. They have Russell Westbrook, former MVP, Paul George, an MVP candidate this year. They're not going to keep missing the shots, and they didn't. I mean, Russ went... Uh, it was... Four for seven at one point. What did he finish at? He was five for ten from three. Yeah. And he had forty-two points. Yeah. So it wasn't his normal huge assist game, but he like he was he had a big scoring night, a volume scoring night. Yeah, like these guys aren't going to be kept off the score sheet. And in the second half, like their offense got a little sloppy. There were a, a number of possessions that ended in turnovers, some charges from Siakam. But I think what really turned it around because they were up. 20 at one point. What really turned it around and let OKC back into it is, damn, these guys are just going to hit shots. Like, see, Paul George hit two or three sidestep threes, which are, you're forcing someone to shoot a three on the move. That's kind of the best defense you can play. Like, it's not that upsetting. Yeah, I totally agree. And also, like, anytime you have Russell Westbrook pouring in five triples, I mean, the guy shoots less than 30% on the year. But if he's going to pour it in like that, sometimes the variants are going to swing the wrong way for you. Um, so obviously they went into the fourth quarter up. They lost the fourth quarter 32-18. to 18. We just addressed how that might have happened. The overtime was a huge success for them. What did you see in the overtime that you liked from them to completely dismantle what the Thunder were doing? Kawhi. That's where they went to the, the, you know, the hierarchy, right? You can play all game like it's jazz, but when when it gets down to the the winning time, you got to play those you know classical scales, right? Work on those practice, like just get done what you know you can do best. Kawhi took over. He hit that you know little left right shimmy mid range fadeaway. That's when you go to winning time, and that's when Kawhi is the player you need. Yeah, and also Paul George fouled out before <laughs> overtime, which is an important factor. You know, he like Paul George is obviously an incredible player. And everybody likes to watch him. We, as Raptors fans, have watched him eviscerate our team as an Indiana Pacer. 
could only be stopped by the kryptonite that is embodied in Norman Powell, apparently. Even though he didn't play super good this game. And Frank Vogel. And Frank Vogel, yeah. Um, but Fred Van Vliet was also a very, a very important player in overtime. And to hit on a second player that Lewis has written, you know, giant odes to, <laughs> I guess it would be Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, who is an elite NBA defender, <laughs> damn it. Uh, um, what did you like from Fred in that, in that closing overtime? Yeah, Fred, um, I mean, he had this... His drives are getting better and better. Like, when he came into the league, he was not a good finisher. He shot, like, 40% around the rim. He's good now. Like, he has touch. He knows how to get a shot off without getting it blocked. Um, He had a drive that sort of went nowhere. I think that might have been the end of the fourth, where he sort of threw up a layup, and it was an air ball by 7 to 13 feet. But, um, I mean, he's, like, Steady Freddy, I always thought was kind of a bad nickname but he's more like you know uppercut freddy where he'll hit you right when it's time to make the run and but uh no he was steady like he just he made it happen he i think he's an elite nba defender damn it as my title i need an editor to title my pieces for me but yeah he was he he was he was great and so after we just ran through the game we're gonna do some awards now as is custom on this podcast, but there are new ones. If you, as his tradition, yeah, there are some new ones since the reins have been handed over to me because I am an authoritative person, and uh, this is a hostile takeover. <laughs> so the Gerald Henderson Award is dead and rises, <laughs> rising anew like a phoenix from its ashes. Is the Mitchell Robinson Award, which we give to the villain of the other team. Of course, it's not as simple tonight as it was to give the Mitchell Robinson Award to. Mitchell Robinson for injuring Kyle Lowry, that buffoon. But tonight we'll be giving it out to the Oklahoma City Thunder's villain. Who did you think that was? Yeah, so I gave uh, Samson sort of a, a, a head fake earlier, told him it was going to be a certain guy. But it's obviously Samson himself, hostile takeover. No, congratulations. You deserve this pod. This is fantastic. Wow. But um, no, Jeremy Grant was all over the map, he was blocking shots. He finished with uh, only one, but I think he altered like six, seven, maybe five of those were goaltends. But dude was, as a viewer, dude was the most frustrating opponent to watch. And there's something completely heart-wrenching about a guy who eats the offensive glass. And the dude had six offensive boards. Like, get out of our paint, my guy. Like, chill out. Like, yeah, so he was grabbing a lot of offensive boards. He was omnipresent around the defensive glass. Like, it seemed like any time someone got trapped in their steps and they had to throw one up, it was like he was like a hawk swooping in. And so he he was omnipresent for them. So he was their hero, I'm sure. But he was our villain. All about perspective. (laughs) And uh, so the next award is the Reggie Evans Award, which is awarded to the hustle player, of the game, and this one, since we keep a tally of it, and starting next year, this will probably be more prevalent since there's like 12 games left. But we keep a tally of it, so it'll be a Raptors player that the Hustle Award will be given to. And so, with that, Lewis, I'm gonna hand it over to you. But first, I will stall by saying that I have an ad read. <laughs> yes, that's I don't think right. You're supposed to preface that. An ad read. We're getting smoother. Yes, definitely. So. This podcast is sponsored by Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers, the lawyer insurance companies don't want you to know about. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get them working for you. 
They sponsor the podcast, but they're also very important to the Reggie Evans Award because Reggie Evans gave everything he had every time he was on the court. And Brian Goldfinger will give everything for you when he's going against those damn insurance companies. That's right. Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Goldfingerlaw.com. Get them working for you. The Reggie Evans Award. Who do you think it goes to, Lewis? Yeah, I doubted how smooth you were going to make that, but I should never have done Are we going? I'm confused. Raptors player or Thunder player here? Raptors player. Raptors player. Okay. Um, Search. I mean, dude comes back from throwing his ham hands around. Like, he's probably not in great shape. The guy's just out to have a good time. There's not much time left in the regular season. He had two monster blocks, like crowd-deflating, you know, silencing blocks where he covers not just the rim, but the the amount of space that he would have blocked the ball in was maybe an 8-by-8-foot square. It was ridiculous. I have a very pressing question. Go on. What are the chances that when... Serge Ibaka was choking out Marquise Chris. His mafuzi rubbed Marquise Chris's leg. So he was what? Um, I mean, picturing he was five feet away, six feet away, 100% chance. (laughs) Definitely. The mafuzi is as omnipresent around Serge Ibaka as... The blocked shots. As the blocked shots, as was Jeremy Grant around the rim. Now it's time for the adjective wheel. This is a wheel that we spin that will affect how the podcast is named. I hope everyone's very excited for it. So we have an adjective to, sh- to choose. So it ended up being like, the Raptors were, enter adjective, or really good Raptors do something. So we're about to spin the wheel, and it is spinning, 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 and bullish Raptors dominate the thunder. That is the adjective, and the adjective is bullish. I hope everyone's okay with that, because that's what we're rolling with. So, now, I will be going to the quick reaction. And a new thing that we're doing here is the quick reaction comment. We will be taking it in, and we will be responding to it. I hope that sounds exciting. Everyone has a chance to get on the podcast. Um, But you are not safe from mine and... Uh, myself and Lewis's scorn. If we do not like your comment, it will be responded to. <gasps> it is exactly as yeah, we thought. Yeah. Mark Booth says Tony Brothers needs to have his referee license revoked. Go Raptors, Lewis. I'm going to swing this one to you. Respond. So we were watching. Uh, we were watching this basketball game. And there were. Was it in the fourth quarter or overtime where we talked about this very possibility? Fourth quarter. The fourth quarter, yeah. So um, we realized that Paul George was ejected. The opponent's best player was thrown out for uh, a certain number of fouls. Yes, yes, fouls, that's the thing. And uh, and we're complaining about referees when the opponent's best player was kicked out of the game. I mean, come on. like. What do you think of the overall, the overarching narrative of referees bad, Toronto good? Yeah, um, I mean they're they're clearly out to get us, but let's step back. Uh, every franchise has this same opinion, but I mean it's not like um, who is Tony Brothers was on the call tonight, right? 
he actually was the one who yeah. called Paul George six yeah, foul. Yeah, it's not like Tony Brothers is uh, innocent. I've seen not only other franchises complain about fouls, I've seen them complain about Tony Brothers himself. If everyone hates a certain ref, that's probably indicative of, you know, a, a lack of um, fairness or whatever. But tonight was no example of that. Tonight was fine. I had absolutely no trouble with the refereeing tonight. To quote Aisha Curry, I can't believe I just saw this. I don't know what happened. This must be rigged or something, but I can't believe it. Yes, that's what she said after game six of the 2016 NBA Finals. A deleted tweet that will live on in infamy. Wow, how do you have it? I have it in my head. <laughs> Deadass. I just, uh, that's in my memory. Because that was probably like the funniest thing was that the Golden State was the darlings of the NBA. And yet, the Golden State fans were like, this is rigged. For LeBron and LeBron fans on the the inverse were like, this is rigged for Golden State. And so, you know, I don't know what the dichotomy is for the league to decide who should win via the refs or not. But Lewis has something to say. Yeah, I found another comment. This is from Ben. It says, know who else hates Tony Brothers? Paul George. He wasn't biased against Toronto tonight. Just his typical trash self. That's really what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Tony Brothers can be a bad ref um, for both teams, or a good ref for one team, or a bad ref for another. Whatever it ends up being, uh, I think what Lewis hit on earlier is just that, yeah, the guy doesn't seem to be a well-liked ref. I read an article about him one time where uh, actually players don't like him because they think that he betrayed them because he used to be a player. They said, you switched sides, man. You switched up on us. So he's getting it from all ends. I just hope he has a good family life, and I hope he's a good dad or something. And his mustache is really great. There's a real, like, literary angle here. There's something to be written about this man with no home. Yeah, it's, it's the Jungian archetype of the, the forgotten hero. The man who has to rise up and slay the dragon who has stolen his who father Paul away. George. Yes, Paul George was the dragon. And Tony Brothers, uh, Slayed him. he ate him up. So I think that'll be that'll do it for this podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, this has been Samson Folk for Raptors Republic, and also Louis Zatzman. So what do you say, Louis, as a, a goodbye? Yeah, man. Uh, so this guy has been traveling a lot. He's in Toronto right now. Give him some love in the comment section. He's been doing a great job for our appreciate him. He's been fantastic. Wow, that's way too nice. I hope everyone has a great day or a great night after listening to this, and go Raptors. All right, thanks. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.